Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. These four angels, these four demons that we're going to look at, and the armies that are released to kill a third of mankind, and we'll also look in verse 11, or in chapter 11, about the torment that the two witnesses that are going to be on the earth during those times, they're going to torment the earth. And certainly those could be part of the woe as well. Because at the very end of chapter, uh, or not the end of chapter 11, but in verse 14 of chapter 11, notice it says, the second woe is past. Behold, the third woe is coming quickly. Welcome, everyone, to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's Truth in Christ radio ministry with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. As Pastor Rob continues our study of the book of Revelation, we learn that the first woe that was predicted in chapter 8, verse 13, is now passed with the fifth trumpet. The two remaining woes are the sixth and seventh trumpets, which telescopes all the way to the second coming of Jesus Christ in chapter 19, verses 11 through 16. This will be a horrific time on the earth, but we know how our Lord and Savior's presence will do away with all death and pain. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he continues our journey through the book of Revelation. was to hurt men for five months. Who are these creatures? They certainly are demonic. They're fallen angels that God has placed in everlasting chains. Remember in the, in the book of Noah in chapter 6, these, these Nephilim and these angels that um, either demon-possessed or physically incarnate somehow, God cast these demons into Hell. He cast them into this abyss that we are talking about, that these things are coming out of. And these beings are now able to come up embodied in a new form that are going to administer pain to men who have not been sealed, men and women who have not been sealed on the earth at that time. In fact, if you remember in Second Peter chapter 2, verse 4, what does it say? says, For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell or to Tartarus, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. For judgment for who? For the people on the earth. We're reading about it right now. He's using them for judgment. Ultimately, they will be judged as well, but he's going to use them for judgment upon the earth. What does it say in Jude? There's also a verse in Jude. Verse 5 and 6 says, But I want to remind you, Jude says, Jesus is half-brother, I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe, and the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but they left their own abode. Notice again, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment 
of the great day, and that is where we are at. Does that make sense? So these, these demonic beings are now going to be let loose, the ones that God had already put in everlasting chains for the judgment of the great day, which is what we are looking at right now. And notice their power was to hurt men for five months. It's interesting because a locust, the lifespan, the average lifespan of a locust is from May to October, a five-month period. So there's some similarities here, but there's some very stark differences. Notice verse 11. And they had as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit. Could this be Satan? We don't really know. It could be a high-ranking demonic being. Could be his right-hand man. We know, based on Daniel, there are different uh, authorities in heaven, in the angelic realm, as well as in the satanic realm. There are archangels, there are other angels, angels with specific duties, responsibilities. So there's a hierarchy of power and the things that they're able to do, and there certainly is for the demonic realm too. Could it be that this is one of those uh, henchmen of the devils? Could it be him himself? We don't really know. But it says it's interesting here that they had a king over them, a, a king over them. But Proverbs says that the locusts have no king. Yet they all advance in ranks, in Proverbs 30, verse 27. So these, again, are different because they do have a king over them. And his name in the Hebrew is Abaddon, and in the Greek his name is Apollyon. They both mean the same thing, a destroyer. Could it be Satan? It could be. We know that he's a destroyer. He's a deceiver. He's a hater of all things that are good. One woe is past, notice verse 12. Behold, still... Two more woes are coming after these things. Metatauta, after these things. One woe is past. So that was the first woe. One woe is past, but still two more woes are coming after these things. And then as we look at verse 13, we see the sixth trumpet sounding. And this sixth trumpet is the beginning of the second woe. And this is going to last until chapter 11, verse 14. This woe, and it's actually divided up into a couple different areas, but we won't go into there. We'll look at that next week. But uh, these woes are things that are uh, horrible things. It's, it's grief beyond measure. This is the kind of thing. Jesus said it in, in Matthew's gospel. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which are done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have long repented in sackcloth and ashes. Same kind of thing, these woes these griefs of, great, of a great nature. And we're looking at the second one now here in this second section of the book of Revelation. Notice what it says, the sixth trumpet or the second woe now. In this second woe, we're going to see at least two parts to this woe. The first one is what we're going to see here. These four angels, these four demons that we're going to look at, and the armies that are released to kill a third of mankind. And we'll also look in verse 11, or in chapter 11, about the torment that the two witnesses that are going to be on the earth during those times, they're going to torment the earth. And certainly those could be part of the woe as well. Because at the very end of chapter, uh, or not the end of chapter 11, but in verse 14 of chapter 11, notice it says, the second woe, is past. Behold, the third woe is coming quickly. So we can assume that everything prior to this, uh, up to uh, chapter 9, verse 13, everything in between uh, chapter 9, verse 13, up until 11, verse 14, 
That is really the woe, the second woe. And so notice with me, in verse 13 it says, The sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God. And this is the altar of incense that is before God. Just like in the tabernacle, you remember when you walked into the tabernacle, the lampstand was on the, on the left hand, the table of showbread on the right, and right in front of you would be the table or the altar of incense, and then a big veil, and then on the other side of that veil would be the Ark of the Covenant and the Holy of Holies. So this altar of incense where the the prayers of the saints were offered earlier in the book of Revelation, this is where this command comes from. And, and, And could it be that it's kind of interesting here that it says that I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar. Could it be a prayer that had been offered? In fact, we know that it was because in Revelation chapter 16, what does it say? Or I'm sorry, Revelation chapter 6. We already looked at this, but those tribulation saints in Revelation chapter 6 that were martyred, what did they say? What did they pray? What did they cry? They said this. They cried with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Well, guess what? The Lord is getting ready to answer. He has been answering, but he's going to answer it even more. He's going to continue with it now. And so he says to the seventh or the, the sixth angel who had the trumpet, And here's the directions. Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. Release the four angels that are bound at the river Euphrates. Does this sound like angels, godly angels, good angels? Have you ever known a good angel to be bound? And we're going to see that these angels are also going to bring another horde of demons upon the earth. They're going to be in the 200 million That's how many there are going to be. These aren't holy angels. These are demon angels because they're bound at the great river Euphrates. This river Euphrates starts up in in Turkey and it it flows from uh, north to southeast. And it empties out in the Persian Gulf. It's a freshwater uh, area. And these four angels are not the same as those in Revelation 7. These are evil. These are malevolent And they're designed to kill millions of people on the earth. And so let's look at verse 15. So the four angels who had been prepared, notice, notice the restraint on them. They had been prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year, a very specific time in history. They were held under judgment, and now God is going to cause them to come forth. It's going to be measured It's going to be known by God. Nobody knows this except for God. The timing of it is going to be orchestrated by him. I love that about God. I I can't say that enough. I just love the fact that he is in control. He's in sovereign control. Even that little boy recently, have you heard about that in North Carolina? A little five-year-old boy is driving his, his tricycle, and some guy comes up point blank and shoots the boy in the head. We look at that and we're like, how can this? (laughs) And most news won't cover it. Doesn't fit their narrative anymore. This little boy's in heaven. Horrible. God knew. God didn't make it happen. God allowed it to happen. Do you understand the difference? This man who killed that little boy was a, a deranged man. On drugs, they think. God did not cause this man to do it. He did it of his own will, and he will pay the price for that. I hope, pray for him. I pray that he gets saved. But that little boy is in Jesus' arms right now. 
everything is in complete control. God knows. We don't need to fear. Now the number, verse 16, of the horsemen was 200 million. I heard the number of them, and thus I saw the horses in the vision. Those who sat on them had breastplates of fiery red, hyacinth blue, sulfur yellow, and the heads of the horses were like the heads of lions, and out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and brimstone. Remember, he's using similes here, trying to get you to understand what these things look like. They're they're not anything like we've ever heard. They're not like anything we've ever seen. So these are demonic in nature, and they have one purpose, and that is to kill. And it says that out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and brimstone. And, you know, we're talking about stuff that's in the future yet, folks. And yet, we have no clue right now what this is really all about. But we know that God is in control. He prepared them for a day, for a month, for a year. There was a specific time, a specific time. And there are certainly nations now that have human capacity to fulfill these things, if they indeed are human. I don't believe they are human. But you look at China and India, they have millions and millions and millions of people. An army like this today would be possible. But again, I don't believe that these, this army is human. Because these angels, these demons, bring forth, summon these horsemen that look very different from anything, and they're, they're designed to kill. And by these plagues, verse 18, a third of mankind was killed by the fire, by the smoke, and the brimstone which came out of their mouths. For their power is in their mouth and in their tails. This makes it even more twisted, doesn't it? Because now, you know, if you thought it was a horseman, now we got, oh, they got tails. And for their tails are, li- are like serpents. Having heads with many of them, they do harm. Now the picture changes even, it gets even more twisted, doesn't it? It gets kind of even more weird. So we don't know what these beings are. But I believe they're demonic. In fact, this whole chapter is demonic activity. And that's why we read Ephesians 6 in the very beginning. We don't fight against flesh and blood, but against spiritual powers and wicked places, principalities and darkness that are well organized, and they have a king over them, Satan. But brothers and sisters, we don't have to worry about these things. If you're a child of God, you have no fear of these things. Number one, you won't be here on the earth when these things happen. And hopefully will none of your loved ones, your family members, your aunts, your uncles, your grandparents, your young kids, your grandkids, hopefully nobody will be left behind to experience these things. Because this is reality. This is reality. This is what will happen. And we have to, again, we have to wake up. We have to wake up. But notice that the last two verses of the chapter, but the rest of mankind, notice the obstinance in the human heart. And I've known this myself, because <laughs> I can be like that. I can have a heart of stone and pray for me that God would continue to soften my heart. And I'll pray for you too. The world has a way of making us jaded when you go through difficulties, when you see horrible things, it'll either crush you or you put up a wall for defense. You've known people like that? Many of us in this room have these walls of defense up. We don't let anybody in. 
because our heart has become hardened. We do that for fear of being exposed. We do that for fear of being hurt again. And I understand that. But let the Lord soften your heart. Pray for me that my heart would be soft, that it wouldn't get hard. And if it is hard, that God would soften it. But notice the result of all of these things. Notice verse 20. But the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues, they did not repent of the works of their hands, that they should not worship demons and idols of gold and silver and brass, stone and wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. Now, we don't worship teraphim anymore, but there's a lot of worship going on today. It could be the thing that's sitting in your driveway. It could be the thing that you walk into when you leave here. It could be a home. It could be anything. It could be gold. It could be silver. Your investments, those things can be idols. They can be things that we would do anything to protect, and don't you ever touch them. They can be have that much of a hold on us, so much so that we're willing to do anything to keep them, anything to keep the peace, anything to keep the status quo. We'll do anything. And they did not repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. And you look at this, and this is all works of the flesh, aren't they? It goes right back to the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou, you know, uh, thou shalt not steal. I said, thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not murder. Adultery, fornication. And yet these things, I look at this list here, you know, when it says sorceries, actually it's interesting, this word sorcery is the Greek word pharmakia, where we get pharmacy from. These are drug abusers. These are people who are on drugs and they will not turn. Even at this time, can you imagine? Certainly there's going to be no hope. The people who are alive, they're just going to be sitting, in a, you know, they're going to be sitting around with a needle in their arm, just trying to escape from the madness and the pain and the anguish that they see of others going through, knowing that it's coming for them too if they don't turn. But yet they won't turn. What does God have to do? What does God have to do? I'm so thankful I came to the Lord in a time of relative peace. There was a war going on for my soul, and there's certainly a war going in, in, on inside of me of my will, who I'm going to serve, either myself or the devil, or I'm going to serve the Lord. Got to serve somebody. Bob Dylan said it. You're going to serve somebody. And they did not repent of their murders, their drug abuse, their sorceries, their sexual immorality. Is anything like that happening in the world today? I, don't, I think it's just a myth. I don't think it's really happening. Of course it is. It's getting worse and worse. And even at the end, when all these things are happening, people are just, that's the only source of pleasure that they got is the instant shots, the sex, the drugs. If they're angry, they satisfy it by murdering. If they want something, they just go out and get it. They smash the window they put on their Antifa mask and they break in and they go into Best Buy. It's okay. They got insurance, right? <laughs> Can you believe that? They're actually justifying the things they're doing, saying these, these places have insurance. That's what it's there for. Really? Let's end with this. In Galatians chapter 5, notice. The works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, 
And as we look at some of these things, I've underlined the ones that really fit what we're talking about right here. The murders, the sorceries, the drug abuse, sexual immorality, and thieving. The works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness. This wonderful list we have before us. Doesn't that make you feel good inside? Lewdness, idolatry, sorcery. There's our word again, pharmakia. Drug abuse, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions. If you're selfish, you're going to grab stuff. You're going to thief, and you're going to be a thief. Dissensions, heresies, envies. You want something, just go get it. You envy it, you have a selfish ambition, go get it for yourself. Just break the window. They've got insurance. Envies, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you before and just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Will not inherit the kingdom. So again, let's stand together and may these things that we're reading, I mean, it's... As we read them, it's difficult for us. But again, you know one thing that that is better than fear? Much better than fear. You know, as I read these things, as we read these things, they're pretty fearful, aren't they? There is a motivation in fear, and sometimes it's not bad. But you know what the greatest thing is over fear? And that's love. See, because I may have a fear of something, but when I have love governing me and love guiding me, love motivating me, all of a sudden it's a whole different ball game. Even my demeanor toward a person changes when it's motivated out of love. See, we don't go around sharing these things to scare people to death. They need to hear it because that's what's coming. But guess what? Wrap it all up in love and say, listen, none of this has to happen to you or anybody you know. God is a God of love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. That is the greatest thing. Love trumps all. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these three is love. Agape love. Let that challenge us today. Let's be a people of love. It's sometimes, it almost seems like a paradox, doesn't it? That when you're motivated by love, how can I share such difficult things? You don't have to share the nitty and gritty of it right off the bat, but people do need to know that there is a judgment, an ultimate judgment. And you decide where you make that, where you're going to be. We can't hide that from them. There's no way to sanitize the gospel. It's good news because, first, there's really, really, really bad news. But the wonderful news of Jesus Christ and his salvation is the thing that tops it all. And so let love be the the marker of your life. Let love be the thing that just grabs a hold of you. Like Paul said, he says, it's a love of God that constrains me. It's the thing that motivates me. It's the thing that gets me up in the morning. Oh, God, we pray that for all of us today. Lord, that we would be motivated by your spirit, that we'd be motivated by love, not out of fear. Lord, we have a world that's filled with fear right now, but God, you've given us the church peace. And Lord, for those of us who don't have that peace, it's because we've neglected it. We've turned away from the fountain of living waters. Lord, help us to return today and not be fearful any longer, but to trust you, to trust you and and to, to know you even better, Father. So, Lord, make this 
chapter, make these chapters that we're reading, uh, may it spur us to evangelism, to share the truth with those around us, Lord. We love you, and we thank you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our journey through the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.